is a sci-fi rewind with Miles P. McLaughlin and Scott Herzog. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Rewind. This is episode 21. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we have a very special guest with us tonight, joining us all the way from England. Yes, from across the pond. Hello, Colin. Hello, guys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very uh, much. Yeah, we're, hey, we're, we're glad. That we, you've been on before. We did Rathacon, which um, I've been informed the episode is no longer available, but I will make it available soon. Um, yeah, <laughs> after he harasses me for about a month. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. That's true. He did. But I just we switched from Podbean to Lipson. I think somewhere in the transfer it got lost. So not a big deal. Hey, Colin, uh, belated uh, congratulations for, for uh, uh, 50 podcasts so far. And I know you've done like, – now it's 53, but I just want to – 53, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. Can you imagine you, you were going to be doing 53 podcasts when you... No, no. And <laughs> there did come a time around about 30-ish when I thought, God, this is a lot of hard work. Can I keep it up? And um, then I joined Trek FM and it made life a whole lot easier. Oh, so. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Well, I'm, we're glad you're still podcasting. And we're glad you're on the show here tonight to talk about Galaxy Quest. Yeah, it's it's great to be back. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, for one one note before we go any further, we often announce near the beginning of our show um, what our next one is, and I think we talked that Blade Runner will be it. Oh, good. Yeah, so I think Blade Runner is our next one. It's oh, one of my favorite. Films. Oh, see, we'll have to have you back on for that. <laughs> but back, uh, probably, I'm guessing with the holidays and everything, mm-hmm. I'm guessing January is. When it'll be, because this won't come out till probably the end of November here and probably uh, January. We'll keep people up in the loop on Facebook and Twitter and everything else and on the upcoming shows as to when we're actually going to do it. You know, I've got the uh, limited edition metal box set with four four versions of the filming. Four versions of the film? Yeah, four versions of the filming. And it's got life of craft prints and it's very rare. Have you <laughs> have you watched all four versions? Yes, I've watched all four versions. <laughs> Very nice. We, we, we should definitely it's, have them watched. The original release with the voiceover. Um, it's the American version as opposed to the European version, and it's Ridley Scott's final cut. Wow, so, well, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's, I don't. It's I don't know which one box. I'm going to watch again. I watched. I watched it like twice, but it's been a. Um, it's been a while, so yeah. So that's that's what you're gonna have to discard. You're gonna you're gonna watch the original theatrical release, or you're gonna watch Ridley Scott's final cut. Yeah, I don't know. Do do we need to clarify it that much? Is there that big of a difference between them? There's there's, there's longer. There's more footage. More footage. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't change the story. Yeah. The story is the same. It's just oh. more footage. So it probably doesn't matter really what version we watch. No. I was gonna no, say no, what no, what what version we watch, but that's not what I meant. <laughs> that would change the whole ten of it. Little things like the, the guy who got shot uh, in the chair at the beginning. Okay. Uh, you see him in the hospital. Okay. So and Harrison Ford's talking to him, so it's that type of stuff. Okay. Very good. 
Well, we're here tonight to talk Galaxy Quest. And before we get into some of our thoughts as we kind of went back to rewatch this, and I just have a couple notes. Um, it's, it's no surprise to anyone that this really is what's called a Star Trek parody film. Um, I knew you were calling it satire, but I think probably fits more in parody because there's not necessarily this underlying message that you get with satire sometimes, Miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, uh, you know, in fact, it, some of the actors that worked in Star Trek coined this as an affectionate parody is the way they kind of viewed it. So it's been well received by both the Trek community and and the actors that worked in Star Trek, at least for the most part, would you say? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean... Um they're big enough to po- to poke fun at themselves, and this this movie does it. But I think it does it sort of reverently. That's why I I, I, I sort of think of this as satire with heart. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Um, and have you heard, Colin? Have you heard uh, any thoughts from actors that played in Star Trek about this film? Um, I did hear that uh, it was it was um, what's his name. Walter Koenig. Walter, oh, Walter Koenig? Yeah, Walter Koenig um, as says that uh, he can't see his character in it because okay. obviously Tim Allen's Kirk. Um, Alan Rickman is basically the, the spot character because he's the alien. Um, you've got Wesler, who's the gifted child. Right. He's in there. And uh, Walter Koenig, because um, when he was at Star Trek London, I ever heard someone ask him for an interview. Okay. Okay. And he says, um, he's seen it, but he couldn't see him in it. And he says, that's always the way, though, in it. The little guy always gets mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I know that Sir Patrick Stewart said, uh, reported being skeptical about the film, assuming it was going to make fun of, uh, of Star Trek, uh, but saw it and loved it after getting a call from Jonathan Frakes about the glowing recommendation. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. George Takei Takei said it was called it a chillingly realistic documentary. <laughs> so <Why>? yeah. <laughs> Will Wheaton said that the only problem he had with the film is that he wasn't in it. <laughs> playing a rabid fan with anger for the snotty teen genius character. So uh, after sitting with Big Bang Theory, he probably would have yeah. pulled it off quite nicely. Oh, oh yeah. I was gonna say he's he's making up for lost time in Big Bang Theory. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Scott still doesn't watch. I, I know, I know, I know. Although I am better this week. I did watch one episode of Walking Dead. Okay. Season two, so that's that's something. <laughs> and you'd be proud of me, Miles and Colin. Both of you'd be proud of me. I restarted my watch of DS9. I was stalled in that wow. for months. And now I just watched, oh, it was a great, it was, um, oh, it's a time It's a time travel episode, the, the duology in the middle of season three. So where, the, where they go back and they're in this concentration camp type thing. It's not a concentration oh, okay, camp, yeah. but in that uh, walled city. Uh, phenomenal episode. I loved it. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to watch the second one after I watched the first one. So. That's progress. Yeah, it is. So I'm moving my way through DS9 again where, where I was stalled. Mm-hmm. So, so Galaxy Quest. Anyways, uh, here are the stats for how the movie did when it came out originally. We, all, we often like to talk about this because it kind of frames up, uh, frames out the movie a little bit. Uh, the movie domestically brought in $71 million. It cost the the producers $45 million to make. Hmm. So they made some money. Mm-hmm. Uh, foreign, it must have been limited release, if uh, at least internationally, but it brought in another $19 million. Mm-hmm. So, And so worldwide, total for total was about $90 million. So That's respectable. Yeah. You know, if we'd have that today, we'd have a sequel. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I think so. And uh, but anyway, so I thought that that was interesting to kind of uh, hear those stats and to see that it did well because mm-hmm. not every movie we reviewed did well. That is true. So. Um, I guess let's start off with some initial thoughts as we kind of rewatched it or things that have kind of, that kind of stick with us now as we, um, as we work, as, as we kind of have rewatched this, uh, Colin, can I put you on the spot? Do you have any part to kind of, as you rewatched it, anything that really stuck out to you about the movie itself? As a whole. Sure. Uh, well, obviously Tim Allen's Captain Kirk. Right. Uh, Cause everyone hates him. <laughs> so, uh, and I, I do like the bit uh, where Sigourney Weaver basically takes the mic out of her alien character, um, mm. which makes the reference to her boobs, right? Because that's that's direct dig at the alien character that she played. But I, I just like the way that the actors themselves don't go go full on into the roles and go full on into the to send up, uh, especially all the room to hear about Sigourney Weaver being um, like a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And she's just she's brilliant in her role, and she completely sticks her tongue firmly in the cheek and just goes along for the ride. And, and I think that Alan Rickman and Sigourney Weaver and and Tim Allen and all that just just play the roles. It just you just you just swept along in the ride. And there's, there's certain parts in the film where you you think you know you forget it's a parody as such because you're just enjoying the film for what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just that's a testament to the writing, testament to the directing, and a testament to the actors. Yeah, I think the other thing that that's a testament to is the uh, the the way that movie pulls itself off visually is beautiful. I mean, this is not when you think parody. Many times you also kind of put along with that low budget. I know that the Scream movies are out there and stuff like that that they that they do the parodies on, but I think that this came off with really good effects and. Um, some obviously phenomenal acting. And even though I don't remember the music, the sound, the sound engineering of it obviously worked seamlessly because nothing sticks out as, you know, being glaringly bad. And so it, it felt for me that this was a, uh, I really enjoyed rewatching this again and I, and I enjoyed it. it. It felt like this movie could come out today and not be terribly dated. Maybe that's, maybe that's just me, but that's what I kind of felt about. <coughs> Yeah, I think the special effects, for the most part, hold up. I mean, it's not; it's just there to enhance the story. But they're not—they're definitely not amateurish. No. I mean, for for for, for nineteen ninety nine, they're 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 quite good. I think. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it, I mean the rock monster. Yeah, it, it, that holds up still. Oh yeah. So I mean, you get I mean you get some films out now that have bigger budgets and do worse special effects. Oh yeah. The black hole scenes, I think, are pretty cool. When the first scene where you see Tim Allen, they open up the doors and they get ready to send him back to Earth, and he sees, you know, the planet in the distance, and that looks that still looked. I, I thought, hey, that looked pretty good. Yeah, I love their transport system, though. like gel. <laughs> yeah, <goo>. it's kind <laughs> of it's like, like whoa. <laughs> Oh, see, watching, watching, because this was made in '99. So watching that now, when, when you see the transports and they're all like. Um, Shift from coming out of it. That reminds me of when they first went through the Scar Gate. Okay, yes. Yes. And it was, it was cold. Right. When they came out. Yeah. That reminded me of Stargate. That bit did. Yeah. Yeah, they lost that in Stargate. Yeah. 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 Well, that would have gotten old fast. <laughs> Traveling and getting cold all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, 
Uh, that you, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the rock monster. I, I came across some trivia about that, um, and that is the rock monster is kind of a mock tribute to William Shatner, who desperately wanted to put a rock monsters in the climax of Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier, yep. but had to cut yep. them out of his script for budgetary reasons. What? Well, I'm open to any suggestions. Nobody eyes like in episode twenty-two. It doesn't have any eyes, Tommy. Open the mouth of the throat. It's vulnerable spots. Rock, it doesn't have any photo of a I know! You construct a weapon, look around you. Can you form some sort of rudimentary lathe? A lathe? Get off the line, guy! Alexander, you might advise me! Well, you're just gonna have to figure out what it wants. What is its motivation? It's a rock monster. It doesn't have motivation. Shoot your problem, Jason. You are never serious about the craft. Yeah, um, I thought it was actually the Savage Curse episode that, that that that's reminiscent of that yeah yeah because uh, when the rock wants wants him what's it um abraham lincoln mm-hmm. and sarek uh, sarek yeah that's, that's a rock one sarek I'm, I'm sorry and um yeah and kailas and mm-hmm. people like that yeah yeah the rock so that's that's what leapt into my head so yeah so I, I guess let's start off. Let's start off with. Do you want to start with quotes, scenes, acting? Where do you want to take this, Miles? I love one. Just even from the opening, where the cast is in the you know get, getting themselves ready, and Alan Rickman is, um, you know, he he's just lamenting where he is in life. <laughs> How did I come to this? Not again. I played Richard the Third. Five curtain calls. There were five curtain calls. I was an actor once. Damn it, now look at me. Look at me! I can't go out there and I won't say that stupid line one more time. I can't. I won't. Well, Alex, at least you had a part. Okay? You had a character people loved. I mean, my TV Guide interview was six paragraphs about my boobs and how they fit into my suit. No one even bothered to ask me what I do on the show. You had the... Wait, wait, I'll think of it. I repeated the computer, Fred. Whew! Your commander is on deck. Ha ha! Wow, that's smogistic today, huh? Am I too late for Alexander's panic attack? Apparently not. You know, you should get that looked at. <laughs> I mean, he's a trained Shakespearean actor, and he's putting this rubber thing on his head. Okay, Patrick Stewart, stop. <laughs> you, 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 see, the third. <laughs> you, you, you might see Patrick Stewart. You may see other Star Trek actors who have... You know who who really have had a lot of training, but unfortunately, most of their successes come from Star Trek, and so he kind of speaks for them in, in that scene. And I mean, can you imagine, Miles? It's that you become identified with this character that you know. Thirty years later, people are still saying, "Look, you know, Brent Spiner will always be Data for us." You know, despite despite. Roots, despite reading Rainbow, LeVar Burton will always be Jory LaForge. I mean, there's there's something there's something while there's something honoring, there's also something disturbing about that, you know. Well, Leonard Nimoy wrote a book back in the seventies. He he, you know, he did not want to be he got tired of being identified with Spock. He wrote a book called I Am Not Spock. And then I guess uh I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago, he finally he wrote a book saying, I am Spock. So he answered his own. Uh, mm-hmm. He argued his own self out of it. I get. I, yeah. I, I, by now, I, I suppose he's he's more at peace with where he is with that. 
I think there's a there's a real um, there's a real undergirding here of this is actually a commentary of what it must be like in some ways to be an actor, not only in Star Trek but in these shows. Think of think of Stargate and Battlestar Galactica, shows that gain notoriety that last for years. Mm-hmm. Firefly. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people are still identified. I mean, any anyone from the cast of Firefly, if they show up on a show, you say, oh. That da 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 from Firefly, right? right. Mm-hmm. And, and you do the same thing with Star Trek. Think of all the Warehouse 13 episodes. More like, oh look, Brent Spiner. It's you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's Artie. It's you know, it's it's you know, Janeway. You know, it's whatever it is. We kind of identify them by their Star Trek roles. Yeah, it's, it's the same with other genres. I mean, you see Kevin Sorbo, you think Hercules, you see Lucy Lawless, you think Xena. Right. Exactly. Because there's such defining roles. Yeah. And I, I mean, for me as a as a viewer, that's not bad. But I can understand it being kind of a box in mm-hmm. feeling, I guess. I, I mean, I, that's probably where the actors are trying to, you know, avoid the typecasting thing. So, I mean, it yeah, was done. Go ahead, Con. I was going to say it's like Walter Koenig when he did Babylon Five, and he was he was the complete opposite. Because uh, was it Besta? Yeah, he he played this the psychic who was kind of psycho. He was, yeah, mm. he was plainly evil, so you couldn't get more opposite than Chekhov. Mm. So he, he was probably grateful to have that role. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it was it was something different for him. Mm-hmm. It was something different for him. You know, I I think too when we look at um, it's not only that scene, but you look at the whole the way the actors view each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way they view uh, the way they view Jason Nesmith's character, right? Right, uh, it's, especially at the beginning. I mean, it, it's 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 no. Um, it, it, this is this is you know there 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 there's no. This is nothing new that there that there's a lot of antipathy toward you know. Some of the supporting characters from the original series have towards William Shatner, and so they kind of bring that to the screen. Here is, um, there 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 is uh, that. Uh, kind of the animosity i guess so and um and so that that, that that's sort of addressed in in this movie yeah and, and you've got you've got that scene in the toilet oh uh, yes i'm the, glad you bring that up the, yeah the fans are talking he's in the toilet and it's like they're all slagging him off show man oh this is hilarious bunch of losers begging for autographs at 15 bucks a pop these guys haven't had a real acting job for 20 years this is all they've got dude did you check out nesmith he actually gets off on those retards thinking he's a space commander oh and his friends i know they can't stand him did you hear him racking on him in there dude he has no idea he's a laughing stock even to his buddies it's pathetic oh come on come on the galaxy quest dancers are almost on you know, he doesn't know that everyone hates him and stuff like that. And that was like uh, William Shatner. It wasn't until he started doing the book, he meant his first uh, memoirs book. And um, I think it was Nichelle said to him, um, do you want to know why no one likes you? And until that point, he didn't know. Yeah. So, and that, that was kind of like what was going on with, with um, his character in the time. But he didn't know that everyone did like him. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he discovers, you know, that 
he's unliked, which sends him into this drinking binge and storming out of the convention, basically. Mm-hmm. That part. Um, yeah, I, I had the same note here that Tim Allen in the men's room, you know, he overhears this. This is based on an actual event of William Shatner's life. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Well, you know, they still attend conventions together, but I guess if you get paid enough, whether they like Shatner or not, it's not really the issue. Oh, they'll still, yeah, they'll <laughs> still make public appearances. You know, together. honestly. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, George Takei would and William Shatner would meet publicly anymore. I don't know. There's been a lot of bad blood in the last, just in the last few years. Well, and there's been some of that, and there's been some of that. It's been some of that's been seems to have been in fun, like the videos they put out mm-hmm. seems to be kind of in fun or in jest. But maybe there's more to it. Yeah, I I, I, I seem to think there's probably a little bit more. I, I think there's probably more bad blood now. Yeah, I would suspect. I don't know. I mean, um, I think Walter Koenig and and, and Shatner have mended some fences. Um, yeah, they talked to each other at Star Trek London. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we was in the press bit, they was they chatted. So. Oh, very good. The, and the, Shatner had Chekhov on his interview show Raw Nerve uh, a while back, and okay, he let check you know Chekhov, I, I, Koenig just um, be honest about how he he felt. I mean, he said something to the fact that when they filmed Star Trek the motion picture. It just seemed like Shatner for, didn't even either forgot who he was or didn't know who he was. It just so <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I didn't care, you know. So um, it's, it's the same as when they did uh, the roast of William Shatner. You know, George was George was on there, and George just went to town. I couldn't watch the roast; it was just so wrong. <laughs> I, <you> know, <laughs> I, I, wa- I watched a few minutes. I said, "This, you know, I it, to me it was just it's, a it's, if you just watch." Uh, with Tim Shatner's sum up speech at the end, if you just watch that, okay, he win- he wins. Okay, <laughs> um, maybe I'll have to watch see if I can find that on YouTube or something. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he, he can. He, has lets, to be he lets them all rip him apart all the way through. He mm-hmm. gets up and does his speech at the end, and in that one speech, turns it all back around. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, uh, other other things that uh, you know, we were kind of on the line of thought here of how this movie kind of represented the Star Trek actors as a Star Trek franchise. Mm-hmm. Are there other ways that you kind of saw this as maybe representing the actors or maybe the franchise as a whole? Well, the character of Guy. I mean, he basically <laughs> plays that the proverbial, you know, the red shirt. I mean, he, Sam he, Rockwell. You know, he, he's, he, he's, you know, Ensign, no name, red shirt, uh, <laughs> playing this. And he played it brilliantly. Um, I, I watched this. I was thinking, I, I've seen this guy someplace, and then, I, then I, then I looked up IMDb. It's like he, he was. I don't remember the character's name, but, but he was basically the, the um, Tony Stark's competitor in Iron oh, Man Two. Right. Yeah, and um, and so, but you know, he, you know, they, they have a lot of fun with the whole. You know, he's he he, he dies in the first five minutes of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. I want to go back. What the fuss you made about getting left behind? Yeah, but that's what I thought. I was the crewman that stays on the ship, and something is up there, and it kills me. But now I'm thinking I'm the guy who gets killed by some monster five minutes after we land on the planet. You're not going to die on the planet, guy. I'm not? What's my last name? It's, uh, um, uh... Nobody knows! Do you know why? Because my character isn't important enough for a last name. Because I'm gonna die five minutes in. Guy, you have a last name. Do I? Do I? 
Yes. For all you know, I just come in number six. Mommy, mommy, mommy. He doesn't. He, he gets a first name but no last name. And right, right. I love the uh, there's a there's a dialogue there where a guy has with you know Sir Alexander. Right. He goes. So they, he wanted to come along, and then he changes his mind. He wants to go back. And he says this. He goes, I changed my mind. I want to go back. And Sir Alex <laughs> is saying, after the fuss you made about getting left behind, the guy said, yeah, but that's when I thought it was a crewman that stays on the ship, and something's up there, and it kills me. But now I'm thinking I'm the guy who gets killed by some monster five minutes after we land on the planet. <laughs> and J- Jason says, you're not going to die on the planet, guy. The guy says, I'm not? Then, then what's my last name? Jason's like, um, uh, I don't know. And guy <laughs> says, nobody knows. Do you know why? Because my character isn't important enough for a last name because I'm going to die five minutes in. And then Gwen says, guy, you have a last name. Guy's like, do I? Do I? For all you know, I'm the crewman number six. Mommy, mommy, are we there yet, says Alex. You know, but the dialogue's just fun. I mean, it plays into this whole, we joke all the time about, oh, he's going to be redshirted. Yeah. You know, it's it plays totally into that. And so yeah. they, they, they explore that in there. And um, later on in the movie, Tony Shalhoub's character has got to say, well, maybe you're the plucky comic relief guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the irony is, of course, during the big battle at the end, he's not even, he's the only one that's not shot or hurt or injured. You know, I watched that scene and I, and I, and I noticed that too. And he, he was the only one who didn't get shot. Yeah. So he wasn't red shirted. No, it was, just, it was, it, it, that was great irony there. <laughs> It does, it does do another red shirt moment later. I don't even he says I've got um, he's about I've got the gun, and if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die a hero because <laughs> I'll, I'll create a distraction. This is that's a, um, was it that's a suicide mission, and he says oh it's okay if I'm gonna die anyway, so that's my job. So I might as well go out a hero. So he, he plays into that as well. Right uh, later on towards the end, their oxygen's almost gone. Listen, I'll go in. I've created a distraction. I got this. I'm okay. I may be able to hold them back long enough for the aliens to escape. It's suicide. I'm just a glorified extra, Fred. I'm a dead man anyway. If I'm gonna die, I'd rather go out a hero than a coward. Guy, guy, maybe you're the plucky comic relief. Do you ever think about that? Plucky? Oh, besides, <laughs> I just had this really interesting idea. Right, right. Right about that part. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and I also like the bit, because that, obviously that bit you mentioned, Scott, was on the short craft. I also like the bit on the short path where they just open the short door and Guy says, how do you know there's air out there? Hey, don't open that! It's an alien planet! Is there air? You don't know! Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just assume there is. All, no one ever beams down on Star Trek in a space suit. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The closest we get to that in the, is, in the, is in the 2009 when they're actually in space, jumping into the planet. Right. That's it. Yeah. And that's Vulcan. Yeah. And we know Vulcan is there after all this time. So. And, and Tony Shalhoub, I mean, he, you know, his character is the the best inept engineer. I mean, just uh, he opens the door and goes, seems okay to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He like has, he's a, a clueless guy. I'm like, well, what do you think? Yeah. That <laughs> Yeah, sure, that works. Hey guys, listen, they're, they're telling me the, uh, the, the generators won't take it. The ship is breaking apart and all that. Just FYI. We got it! <laughs> oh man, I loved it. I, 
I think too the other. I mean, there's so many references when we talk about this. How this movie references Star Trek. There's so much in this movie that does it beyond that. Um, I think the the uh, the fact that when they're eating the cuisine around the table and and Nesmith's character, you know, you know, says this this tastes like steak from Iowa. Right. <laughs> Obviously, a reference to Captain Kirk mm-hmm. being from Iowa. And. Uh, the design yeah, of the yeah, ship. The alien food, that's a lot of like oh, oh, yeah. The blood beetles. The blood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man. Uh, also, the design of the uh, the ship, do you know what it's based on? Um, it's sort of, it, it almost looks like the Enterprise without a saucer section. It does. It's uh, based on the Star Trek com badge, actually. Oh, really? Okay. That's what, that's what they said. Okay. What that's I know. Cool. I never watched Star Trek. What are you kidding? Me? No, I'm just kidding. It's nothing we're working on. Yeah. No. It, do you know what? Do you know what? So the the NSEA protector serial number is NTE three one two zero. Do you know what the NTE stands for? Uh, I looked at Wiki earlier, and so yes, I do. You do? Do you? Do you, Colin? I ain't got a clue now. Go ahead, Miles. Not the Enterprise. Yep. Oh, that's brilliant. That <laughs> <laughs> is brilliant. <laughs> so let me see if there's any other Star Trek related trivia in here. But there's um, uh, the, oh, the Thermians are based on Star Trek franchise. Um, they use their appearance generators to assume human form, while their true form is that of a massive alien beings with several tentacles. This concept was possibly taken from Star Trek episode, the name by any other name. Where in the episode, uh, Kelvins were aliens who assumed human form, but their true form, which is never shown but described by Spock, uh, is that of massive creatures with hundreds of tentacles. I can see that. Yeah. So that's what they're saying. I don't know if that's uh, true. And the, the ship design for Saurus' starship, the enemy that, of course, they're, fall, they're, they're, they're coming against, is a crossover between designs for the planet-killing Doomsday Machine from Star Trek Doomsday Machine. And um, I'm going to totally mispronounce this, but the Duradex class Romulan Warbird from Star Trek, the next generation. Okay. So it's a cross between the two with the open design of the the nacelles in the rear. Yeah. The opening definitely looks like the doomsday machine. Yeah, absolutely. Is is his tagline and all um, never give up, never surrender. Is that like Kirk's, I don't believe in a no win scenario. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, one of the things that I like about this movie as we're as, as I rewatched it is it it takes. I mean, we we started off by looking at this from the actors, how this impacts the actors, but it also pays great homage to the fans. Oh, definitely. There's the, the convention scenes, yeah. The convention scenes. It's it, so a part of it's funny, right? Because you look at all the people dressed up, and they're mm-hmm. dressed up in these wacky outfits, right? And so there's there's part of that, mm-hmm. but there's also the part where these people meet the fans and especially the guy that Nesmith runs into and they switch communicators and they end up saving the day. Right. Yep. Because it's not, it's not, you know, it's real. And he tells them it's not real. And the kid goes, I know it's not real. <laughs> and Nesmith is like, yeah, but it is real. You know, <laughs> but that whole blending between what is fiction and reality. Sometimes I think sci-fi fi- fans get dogged on because the, the moment you say science fiction it's like, well, that's not real. Mm-hmm. therefore you know wh- why would you ever watch it why would you ever read it um and it plays kind of a homage that well they kind of know it's not real 
Yeah, that's an interesting thing with the fandom thing. I mean, you could take any, I mean, any anything something likes, whether it's science fiction, Star Trek, and you can, you can go too far with it. It's, you know, that some people do take it too far, but you can also take it too far with, with football or, uh, Oh, absolutely. Or, or whatever sports. I mean, I mean, I, I've grown, the people that come to the conventions, they enjoy it like I do. And it, it's, it's a day to, you know, you kind of act like a kid again. You could dress up in your costume and it's, it's totally cool. It's, um, well, the Fermians are the, the ultimate fans because they definitely can't tell they're not real. So, right, good point, Colin. <laughs> very, very true. <laughs> uh, I love that uh, they have that one line here. Let me see if I can find it. I have. I pulled it out. I thought you know us. No, no. I don't believe there is a man, woman, or child on my planet who does not. Year since we first received transmission of your historical documents, we have studied every facet of your missions and strategies. You've been watching the show, Lieutenant. Historical documents. Historical documents from out here? Yes. The past hundred years, our society had fallen into disarray. Our goals, our values had become scattered, but since the transmission, we have modeled every aspect of our society from your example, and it has saved us. Your courage and teamwork and friendship through adversity. In fact, all you see around you has been taken from the lessons garnered from the historical documents. Is this a... a spaceship? No. This is a starport for the ship. Would you guys like to see the ship? Where, where, where Gwen's talking to well, Mathazar and she's saying, they're not all historical documents. Sure, you don't think Gilligan's Island is. And he goes, those poor people. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you know we often treat the stuff as being frivolous i think of ender's game a little bit did you read ender's game no did you colin no so if you read ender's game ender's is playing this computer game he thinks oh you know he's you know shooting these bugs ends up that he's really controlling the entire war that's going on in ender's game and so it made me think about you know what if you know the stuff that we treated as just one-off fantasy really was real Mm mm-hmm in this in this story, this story here in Galaxy Quest kind of explores that. And also, how good how good would the real would the actors really do in a real life situation like this? Well, that's that's one <laughs> thing this movie does. I mean, at, at first they they show they suck at it. They do, and you know they they see the consequence. The ship gets banged up, and people get hurt, and 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 and, and stuff, and. Um, and so it's it. That's one of the great things about this movie is seeing these people, who who, who are just actors, but rise to the occasion to you know, um, to save the day. Mm-hmm. And you know, we we see their flaws. We see that they're not that they're not you know they're not equipped at all to deal with this. It's just, but they have to. I mean, it's 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 life or it's life or death. And um, it it's done with a lot of heart and comedy and um. And just uh, in reverence, I thought. Do you feel that this movie accurately, and Colin, this is for you, our Miles here. Do you feel that this movie accurately portrays the fan scene? Good question. Um, you do get diehard fans who um, live whatever franchise they're into. Uh, you, you know, you get 
you like you get people who do LARPing, which is live action role playing. Right. So there is that type of fan out there that literally live it. And um, I do know that in the last census over here, that was um, a couple of years ago, uh, 50,000 people put Jedi as their religion. Mm. So there is there is people who do go to the nth degree and right. actually like completely live the franchise in real life or can't differentiate between a franchise and real life. Right. But you also get that with um, it's not just it's not just Star Trek fans. It's it's like Star Wars fans. It's it's, it's all types of fans. You even get it with soap operas. Like you, if you get a baddie in a soap opera, and you read about it all the time, and then the baddie's walking down the street and they're getting heckled because people think they are that bad person in real life. Right. Right. So if someone's really into something, then you know certain type of people, the lines get blurred. Right. But I think the fans that they did in this one in regard to convention, yeah, you go to a Star Trek convention, the fans dress up. Yeah. But at the end of the day, most Star Trek fans go home and take the uniform off. Yeah, I mean, and like the dealer's room that they kind of show and the lines for the autographs. Um, and I've seen people ask, you know, ask questions that are very intelligent and ask questions that are kind of like um, – they're kind of like from that Siren Live skit where, where William Shatner tells these people to get a life. Right. Um, <laughs> now, fortunately, for, you know, I, I, I've seen the guests who I've seen ha- handle it really well with a lot of grace um, and not, uh, not um, you know, demean the person asking a question. Um, but, you, you, yeah, you, you'll like, – like when the, the kids ask him about um, – I forget what they asked him, but, you know, you still – yeah, I, I so I, I I think it the movie does a pretty good job of depicting what 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 sci-fi cons are like. Yeah, especially the, when the, the signing tables and oh yeah, well even the way the actors are signing. Like at the one point when before he walks into the bathroom and gets that revelation that he's a big jerk, you know he's really engaged with the with the the fans and and you, you see actors that are like that and then you see afterwards he's just like signing and kind of throwing the photographs at him just sign 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 Mulgrew was that way when we were at uh shortly yeah and not because really? she's not, not 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 because she wasn't nice but she had that many people that were in line she she couldn't really give people you know much yeah. personal attention and, yeah. and that was no fault to her it was no, just she she was very gracious on stage especially she so. was fantastic on stage um she I was, was she was brilliant in london oh yeah so yeah even I, in the in the queues as well she yeah. was she was brilliant and, and that's somebody you know she was also somebody who when people asked the, the those kind of questions she she i thought she dealt very graciously with those people um she didn't you know Insult them I mean, or... the, the big surprise for me in, in London was because you read all these rumors about William Shatner and all that type of stuff. But when I went uh, to William Shatner to have a photo with him and have his, his, his autograph, he, he talked to him. Like, you know, he, did, he, didn't, he didn't rush me away or nothing like that. He shook my hand and, and you know, we had oh, a good. little chat. And no, very good. It was, yeah, it's nothing like the rumors say they are. Mm. If everyone has a bad day, so if you go to a convention, they're having a bad day. Then that's the image you're going to take away with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and and that and that's unfortunate. I mean, I mean, the reality is, we, we I think we forget sometimes that these people are human, you know, <laughs> and they're going to have bad days. And I know, I know for us, the experience at a short leave, 
you know, LeVar, LeVar wasn't uh, the friendliest there, but he had a lot going on and uh, who knows? Yeah. I mean, I was, it was in the signing table. I was talking to um, Shirot Lofton and Jeremy Hurtler, and we talked politics and religion for like 15, 20 minutes. Oh, how fun would that be? <laughs> That'd be awesome. That was, it, was, it was really cool. And, you know, we talked about art because Shirot Lofton is doing his art and, and stuff like that. We talked about loads of things. Hmm. And they could have just quite easily just said, here's your autograph next. Yeah, a lot of, we want to say, you know, just the, a lot of these guests, you know, if they have the time to spare, you, you could have, like you said, Colin, a 15 minute discussion on whatever. Um, so, um, so it all depends on, on, on the con and how busy they are. And- right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So just, I, I don't want to belabor this cause we're really talking about galaxy quest here, but <laughs> did you, did you have a really good experience in Star Trek London? Um, there was ups and downs. There was, there was a lot of downs, um, from the podcaster's point of view, there was a lot of downs the, the press side was really badly handled getting access to people was basically non-existent I had to do it all on my own uh, but talking to the fans that were there the biggest complaint the fans had was that the queuing system was a shambles mm. and Brits as a rule have no problem with queuing as long as the queue is organised mm. uh, when it becomes a scrum then they start getting alright and they, they made this big hoo-ha on the website about this virtual queuing system. You have a number on your ticket. And when your number is up, they'll call you out and you just go and get your photo or you go and get your autograph. And that went out the window about five minutes after the door was opened. Mm. So that was the biggest. But actually interacting with the stars, no complaints about any of them. Uh, the, the talks, the speeches, uh, the autograph cues, uh, the photo cues, I never had any problems at all. That was all brilliant. Very good. Awesome. Yeah, I heard you got Jeffrey Combs to record you a bumper. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I got uh, Jeffrey Combs, JJ Hertzler, uh, and I got uh, Daniel Stewart to do one for another podcast who's a big fan of Daniel Stewart, so I gave him to do that. And yeah, and uh, JJ Hertzler and Sherrod Lofton took my business card and phone number. And I don't care if they never ring me. The fact that they took it is enough for me. No, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Well, let's bring it back to Galaxy Quest here. Before we move into some trivia, any any other quotes or parts of the movie that really stand out for you? There, when um, Tim Allen's character is fighting with the rock monster, uh, there's cut. There's some really funny stuff and. Um, I'm trying to remember the reference, but it's where basically Alan Rickman criticizes him. Um, he, he and he goes and he goes. That's your, that's always been your problem with you as an actor. You can never find your motivation. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a great that's a great line there. Mm-hmm. I think one of my I, favorite. I did like that Rob once a bit when he fought at first. It was the little pig that he had to fight. Oh right, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> He's not going to handle this. It's little pigs. No problem. And then the real monster comes. Or <laughs> uh, there's little creatures around the edge of the rock monster uh, arena. Mm-hmm. Kind of cute but deadly. Yeah, I like the subtitles, and you know, they they sort of almost echo what 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 they were saying before. And he goes, "Let's hit him over the head with a rock and smack." You know, right, right. I love the whole transporter accident. When oh, they yeah. first transport with the pig up. 
hear some squealing or something. Oh, no, everything's fine. But the animal is inside out. I heard that. It turned inside out? And it exploded. Did I just hear that that animal turned inside out and then it exploded? Hello? The, the inside out pig yeah. exploding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and up the bit with the, the tricorder and he doesn't know how to work it. Right. Right. When they're being down to the planet with the rock monster and he's like, he turns it one way and then he turns it the other way because he doesn't have what he's supposed to be doing with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I think that's one of the things I want to comment. One of the things that I really enjoyed is when they first get to the ship and they're first brought into the room to take the ship out of dry dock. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they scrape <laughs> along the side. <laughs> You know, it's you know the the fact that the whole learning process for them that this is not fake is a yeah. fun process to kind of walk through because you kind of picture yourself if you were an actor in that situation, you know, here's what you always did with your hands. Well, now this is real. <laughs> you know, it totally ups the ante of it. You know. Oh yeah. But, uh, oh, I I love the scene um, with the actor who played the pilot and. They're, they're they're trying to run away from the alien and um, uh, guy's character is is, tr- is it basically backseat driving and you know uh, you know he says get your ass out of here you know <laughs> you know we we all we know we know that backseat driver who is annoyed us while we're trying to drive and there's just a wonderful scene between them two and I think too the crash landing at the end is is just phenomenal oh yeah. Uh, when like all the geeks are there with their fireworks saying bring them in you know. <laughs> But uh, another thing, uh, with Alan Rickman, he basically plays the Spock, the Data, or whatever, and he has this this saying, "By Krathor's hammer, right?" Yeah, and when the, when the fans come to him and they say, and he goes, "Don't say it," you know, he's just you know, <laughs> very disgruntled at that moment in time. And yet, at the end, like somewhere in the movie, he, he as that guy's dying, he says it willingly. Yeah, to sort of give this, this poor guy peace before he dies, yeah. Right. All right, Quellick. Let's get back to the command deck. I'm... I'm shot. Avenged. 
So it's 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 this is a very clever movie. I mean, each character sort of has their own little journey they're going through, and um, well, and and, you know, these actors come full circle. I mean, where they most of them hate it mm -hmm. uh, at the very beginning in some fashion, and then by the end they kind of embrace, like they've kind of grown into their characters in some ways, Mm -hmm. Um, a little bit. I like like the way the fan has decided to die as well at the end. Oh yes. Yeah, because they're not sure what the uh, um, Omega Fan does, so they ask they ask a fan. <laughs> right. So that that just reminded me, like, because there's so many times where like, the fans know more than than the actors. Oh yeah, and I, that was that was a nice little tip to that. Or like even when they're on the com, they're like walking their way through the Enterprise <clears throat> or the NTE, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they're walking them through. Okay, here's where you go. Here's how you do this. Here's the way you get through this little maze of pistons that are going up and down, you know, and not getting crushed. All right, Brandon, we're across. Now what? You want to take a left and then just straight on through the chompers. Chompers? Well, screw that. How are we supposed to get through this? Hollister, do you have the sequence yet? Okay. The sequence is... Two, two, four, two, three. What is this thing? Four, I mean, there's no useful purpose for there to be a bunch of choppy, crushy things in the middle of a whole thing. You have to do this. It makes no logical sense. Why is it here? Because it's on the television well, show. forget it. I'm not showing it. This episode was badly written. Okay, Commander, now, as soon as the first crusher hits you, oh. Just in. Okay, go now. Go. Go. Oh, that scene was 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 hilarious. And Sigourney Weaver, you know, you know, she said, "Whoever wrote this episode should be shot." You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure the actors felt like that more than more than more than once. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. when she well, she, she comments and all about because she makes a reference to Ahura um, when she says, "My job was just to repeat the communication." <laughs> I was just going to say that they're sitting at the table yeah. and she repeats everything back to him. He goes, "Will you stop that? That's my only job." <laughs> what about the engines? Why don't we have power? The beryllium sphere has fractured under stress. It's fractured. Can it be repaired? Computer, can it be repaired? Damage to beryllium sphere, irreparable. New source of beryllium must be secured. We need another one. Uh, You broke the ship. You broke the bloody ship. uh, Computer, is there a, a replacement beryllium sphere on board? Computer. Is there a replacement beryllium sphere on board? Negative. Uh, No reserve beryllium sphere uh, exists on board. No, we have no extra beryllium sphere on board. You know, that is really getting annoying. Look, I have one job on this lousy ship. It's stupid, but I'm going to do it, okay? Sure, no problem. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, well, anything else from the actors, any notable actors that we didn't touch on or any scenes or quotes that we should be kidding before we head into just a little bit of trivia here, and then we'll get into some listener feedback. Well, probably uh, there, there's uh, the, the fan, Justin Long. This is probably one of his first roles. We've seen Justin Long in a lot of stuff mm. since then. 
Um, he plays the, the, the young super fan in this. Um, office, the Office uh, fans might recognize, uh, although he doesn't have a whole lot of lines, uh, Rain Wilson, he plays one of the aliens in this. I saw the face, and I thought, that's got to be him. And I went on IMD, and I said, yeah, that's him. When the female alien, too, is uh, very well, familiar. She's done a ton of stuff. Missy Pyle, she, she's done a ton of movies. Um, one, well, in the remake of... Uh, um, Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. She, she was in there, yeah. She was in there. Um, she had a bit role in the Adam Sandler movie, uh, Fifty First Dates. But, she, I mean, she's, she's, got a, she's got a long resume. Oh, she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did like that bit with, uh, with Miss Sue when she, when she falls in love and the mic and I on the, on the deck and all the tentacles come out. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. That's very... Yeah. Very good stuff. Hey, get a room, guys. Um. Whoa! Hey, Fred. Hey, Fred. Um. Oh, that's not right. No. And Tony Shalhoub. And he just looks around, sees the tentacles, and goes, oh, well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not right. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was funny when the uh, guy said, oh, that's just, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh, that was funny. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. There's, I think I think we hit a lot of the, the major points. I mean, really, if you're, this, the way this movie really, for me, was most enjoyable, I watched it, as I said earlier, Prior, I don't know if I said it on the show here or not, but prior to really getting into Star Trek, I'd watched it. And this is prior to going to any convention. And then I rewatched it, you know, obviously preparing for this episode. And it does take on a whole new level of meaning if you have the convention experience behind you. Right. Um, because other, other than that, if you just watch the shows, it kind of, there's a little bit of dynamic. I mean, you might understand it if you've ever been to any sort of convention at all but if you haven't been to a science fiction convention or a star trek convention you lose a little bit of, of what's going on here and and obviously if you didn't watch star trek or haven't watched a lot of star trek you might lose a little bit as well yeah so it, hel- it helps if you're a sci-fi fan a genre sci-fi fan yeah absolutely of some some long-running tv series and and like you like you mentioned <laughs> yeah the, the cons if you have the- flash gordon yeah flash gordon right? <laughs> flash gordon would help yeah. Yes, yeah, a little. Just some some sort of reference points. Yeah, yeah. How about for you, Colin? Anything else that we should be hitting on before we go into trivia and listener feedback? Um, I don't know. You might bring it up in trivia, but I found out that um, the brilliant thirteen thing—it's it's actually a real substance. No. Oh. What was it again? The Rillium 13. Oh, well, the Rillium 13. Have their engines. Yeah. It's actually a real substance, and it's used in high-speed aircraft. Okay. Yeah, I noticed too, and I don't have this in my show notes, but the error that they get on the computer error is an actual error. The kernel error mm-hmm. that they have is a real error. So, there, I mean, there was some stuff that was based in reality. Yeah, and there's also um, the guy, um, oh God, what's his name? Now? The one who introduces him on stage, I can't think of his name now. It's gone at me head. Yeah, at the start, he's, he's called the Questarian. Um, that's the reference to um, Star Trek fans as well. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That's true. All right. Well, let's move into some trivia then. 
Um, and let me see. We, we did hit some of this. I did find one of the things I found that I didn't know that in theaters, a film was presented in 1.85 colon one. So whatever that ratio is uh, for the first 20 minutes. And then when Tim Allen first realized he's on a real spaceship, the vista of thermal uh, thermia is revealed. The screen images widens to 2.35. Okay. One. So as the parting walls of the spaceship reveal the vista. So it widens, I guess. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, Fred Kwan, Tony Shaloub's uh, character, is eating a snack of some sort in almost every scene he appears in. <laughs> Which I didn't. <laughs> so, I didn't notice that. I neither. Alan Rickman never takes off his headpiece throughout the entire movie. Right. No, but even when it's even when it's damaged. Right. Right. Um. What else? Uh, did we mention? Did I mention? Maybe I mentioned to you, but uh, did we mention the J.J. Abrams comment? I don't think we mentioned it with. Oh Colin. yeah. Okay. So the design. So, anyways, here's what it says um, in the audio commentary for Star Trek 2009. During the sequence where Kirk and Sulu are falling toward Vulcan without a parachute, director J.J. Abrams says, by the way, I think we've gone all gone on record as saying one of our favorite Trek films is Galaxy Quest. And this sequence is clearly an homage to Tony Shalhoub's great save in that film. So. Yeah, you, you, even seeing Star Trek 09, you could definitely see it. They, they pay homage to... For, some of the scenes in the movie. Yeah. Um, Tim Allen's, Tim Allen's um, character, as in this, has, has got tips to William Shatner in his name. Oh, yeah. As well. Oh, yeah. Um, at the end of the movie, just before the opening credits for the new Galaxy Quest series, the announcer says, now back after 18 years, the new adventures of Galaxy Quest. The original Star <laughs> Trek was canceled in 69. Next Generation premiered in 87, also 18 years later. Interesting. So I'm sure that was intentional. Probably. Yeah. Um, and one last bit of trivia here. At the end of the credits, Enrico Colantoni as Malthazar says, never give up, never surrender. So if you listen through all the credits, mm-hmm. he says that at the very end. Okay. So, which I didn't, I didn't go through all the credits. He's another notable. I mean, he's been in tons of stuff too. Boy, the way he speaks is totally funny. Commander. Excuse me. I must speak to you. It is a matter of supreme importance. We are Thermians from the Klaatu Nebula. We need your help. Oh. Is this about the gig tomorrow? You just hammer out the details with my agent and make sure there's a limo at my house. Last time I did one of these gigs, they shoved me in the back of a Toyota. Remember, mum is the word. Certainly, my, um, mum. 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 Oh yeah, See the syllables being all off, and the, the the way they talk and the laugh they have, it's yeah. A, yeah the, I love the aliens in this movie. Yeah. Uh, anything else uh, as far as trivia? If not, we'll go into some listener feedback. Well, there is one, and if you want to put it in, go ahead. Uh, Tim Allen's characters, Jason Nesbeth, and uh, William Shatner played Jason in the Greek mythology. Okay. All right. And in, in, is the Nesmith anything? It's probably an anagram for something. You are. Um, what's his, uh, his, his name is Jason Nesmith. He played his, his character in the film is Jason Nesmith, which alludes to William Shatner playing Jason in Greek mythology. Okay. And he's acting as Peter Quincy Targi. And Peter 
Quince is also a Shakespeare character in A Midsummer Night's Dream. And okay. William Shatner plays Brake playing in Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, okay. Very good. Very good. All right. Well, let's move into some listener feedback, if that's all right. Sounds good. And let's start with, we got a voicemail in from Kalis. Kalis called in with some thoughts. And, you know, if you remember, he was not a real big fan of this movie, right? <laughs> he was dreading the fact that we were actually rewinding this, if you'll remember, Miles. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, so let's go ahead and hear what he has to actually say here. Hello, Kalis, and welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner. Would you like to see a menu, or would you be interested in today's special? I already know what I want. Just bring me an order of crow, please. You got it, partner. So I am sure you are wondering what has brought me to this sad state of affairs. Well, it all came about when I predicted on the last Sci-Fi Conversation show that I would definitely not like the movie Galaxy Quest. Well, I am here to admit that I did enjoy this movie in spite of the fact that I tried very hard not to. While Galaxy Quest is not a movie that I would pay to see in the theater, it was a fun one to watch for several reasons. First, I really enjoyed the acting. It was so over the top that I couldn't help but laugh. Tim Allen as the commander parodied Captain Kirk so well, and yet didn't really try to channel William Shatner, but did anyway. The rest of the cast were so far off the mark, yet they were so on the mark with the characters they parodied, that I was really in stitches. Then there were the special effects, top-notch and worthy of any good space opera. The score was just corny enough to bring the whole thing together and make the movie a great comedy without offending us hardcore fans of space-going sci-fi. There really wasn't anything that I didn't like about this movie, and I had to watch it twice to get everything it had to offer. I was so afraid that it was going to be stupid and so completely unbelievable that I didn't want to see it, but now I humbly admit that I am glad that I did. It was just very entertaining. So, there it is. Oh, here comes my waiter with my crow. Here you are, Kalis. Would you like some ketchup to go with that? <laughs> Seems a little underdone, don't you think? <laughs> Enjoy your crow. Uh, kapla? Well, that was well put together. <laughs> yeah, that that was brilliant. <laughs> uh, Colin, could Callis you hear that? Always brilliant. Uh, yeah. What could you hear that, Colin? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Callis, his uh, voice miles are brilliant. So yeah, he's a he's a top guy. Yeah, yeah. So I love the crow, right? But you know, I, <laughs> but even more than that, I love the fact that he watched this maybe begrudgingly and loved it. I'm just glad he watched it. I mean, yeah. he, he didn't blow it off. He, you know, figured. He didn't he, just watch it. He watched it twice, Miles. Yeah, well, so <laughs> kudos to you, Kalis. You gave it a chance. And, hey, my mind has been changed before. And, you know, I'm you know, glad you, you, your, your mind has been changed. I, I think you would have liked it. And I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, and he didn't he didn't have much critical to say. He actually mentions a score, and mm-hmm. I, I don't even remember the score as so oh, we're talking about it. I, I do for some reason the score just if I hear it in my head, I like yep, Galaxy Quest. Yeah. So anything that Kayla said that you want to comment on, Colin? 
No, no, I just think it was a brilliant voice, man. I just, I just love the crew. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it's, it was great to have. It's great. To, thanks for sharing that, uh, Kalis, and thanks for giving us your thoughts. And and I, you know, you made the comment that these actors didn't necessarily try to channel actors, but by doing so, they captured enough of them that we said, "Oh, well, we see these people in them, or we see yeah. these types of people in them." Yeah, I'm. Yeah, he he's absolutely right. Tim Allen was still Tim Allen, but he still, you could tell who, he, 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 you know, he was basically the Jim Kirk of this movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And well, Alan Rickman. That's like the 2009 film, and it's like um, Chris Pine didn't try and be Kirk. Yeah. But he still channeled it's a Kirk. Yeah. I think probably in Chris Pine's case, probably a little bit more deliberately than maybe Tim Allen did, but only because, yeah. only because in 2009, you're trying to sell this movie to diehards of Trek and you have to have it looking somewhat like Trek if you're going to bring the Enterprise back. Yeah. So. These new actors have to s- somehow, re- they, they, they're, they're on a fine line. They have to re- sort of resemble the original characters without, you know, shamelessly parodying them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we did get. um sued anyway if they had. What was that? I would have got sued if they had. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> Uh, well, we had we also got a, uh, a email in, and let me just read this, and I'll read the entire thing, and then we can comment on it. This is from Jed in New York. She's the one, by the way, that initially re- recommended that we do Galaxy Quest. Do you remember that, Miles? Yes. She mm-hmm. submitted the top five, and this one won out as being the one that people wanted to, us to rewind. She says this. Uh, Hi, guys. I wish I could be on your rewind uh, of this movie because I absolutely love this movie. Not that I'm biased, because I actually have a cousin who's an actor. His name is Patrick Breen, and he played Quellick. He was the alien that got shot in the end and who got attached to Alan Rickman's character. So I guess the one that Alan Rickman says, by Grathor's hammer, as he's dying yep, in his arm. I remember That's, that one, yeah. Yeah. So what can I say? I live vicariously through my cousin. <laughs> I also had the chance to briefly meet Alan Rickman at the end of one of my cousin's off-Broadway plays. He was doing at the time he was walking out and my cousin had him say to me, never give up, never surrender. Boy, I wonder how Alan liked that. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I was just sort of gave a big eep. And at the time I yelled out, thank you. Embarrassingly enough, I never did get the chance to say how much I love most of his movies he's basically done like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, etc. I also really loved how they showed what a convention was kind of like in that movie. Uh, and that part of it was fun. And I was supposed to be a spoof off the whole Star Trek popularity. Uh, there's even a moment when Tim Allen's in the bathroom with the Klingons laughing about his career. William Shatner even once said that it actually happened to him once. And he's learned a lot about himself at the convention uh, once like that. And we kind of, of course, made mention of that earlier on. Yep. Um, uh, I forgot he was in Princess Thieves, though, Alan Rickman. Yeah, Alan Rickman. Uh, also, he was the voice of the robot in... Um uh, the new Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, and perfect role, Marvin, right? Marvin, yeah, he was fantastic as Marvin. <laughs> per- perfect cast as Marvin, because <laughs> even as Snape, one of the one of the, I mean, talk about an iconic character that you he kind of creates here. Mm-hmm. That's great. Um, uh, but the best had to be Sam Rockwell's character. He cracked me up so much about how his character was just the extra red shirt because his character didn't have a name and he was going to die too much. <laughs> Every one of the characters were funny. Even Sigourney Weaver's character, Gwen, was annoyingly funny. And when she was the only one who could speak to the computer, even when she said, I may be, it may be stupid, 
I may be stupid, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> and I thought it was cool how they had Justin Long's character actually have a hand in some way in helping them out. It wasn't just a TV show like everyone said. That was one of his first movies as well. And you mentioned that, Miles. Jen, thank you for writing in. And any comments on what Jen's saying here? Uh, that's cool. You have, you have a cousin in a movie. Um, I recognized him. He, he was in um, Beverly Hills Ninja. He's been on a few episodes of Law & Order. Um, so that, 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 that's cool. You have, a, you have a cousin who was in this movie. I think so. I'd be jealous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, But yeah, Alan Rickman, you know, he talked about uh, a, a character that an, an actor that has had such a breadth of movies. Like I remember him seeing he was in the first Die Hard movie, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, just I remember him seeing that and just loving him as a villain then. And Oh, he was a fantastic villain. Um, you know, he says, I'm not a common thief. I'm an extraordinary thief. <laughs> so you even remember <laughs> one of the lines from it. See, I don't oh, even. Yeah. So. Uh, anything that Jen said that sticks out to you, uh, Colin? Yeah, well, it's about the casting as well. I mean, like Alan Rickman, um, a guy it ties into the Shakespeare thing because he was he was Royal Shakespeare Company. Oh yeah, so he, he ties into that as well. well and, he, even, uh, he even makes a comment in Galaxy Quest. He goes, "You know, I was on I was on Shakespeare. Or I was a part of such and such Shakespeare Company for this. You know, mm-hmm. and he kind of makes mention of that. But go ahead, yeah. Colin. I cut you off. Go ahead." That's fine. So I was just going to say that he was in a TV series over there called Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and he was the sheriff of Nottingham, so he was like the bad guy. And uh, he did an interview around about the time, and he says, he says, all too often I'm, I'm the good guy. He says, every now and again, it's nice to be evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yeah, no, no, very, very true, very true. He plays evil, but he always plays funny evil. Yeah. Yeah, or he's not like, pure evil he's just he's just sort of evil mm-hmm. that's not really true that didn't make any sense so ignore what i said <laughs> but, no, but he certainly he certainly does play evil and comes off like you think of like like i think of snape even did you watch any of the harry potter movies I, no i can't you haven't have you colin yes yeah and you know i was ambivalent about the whole franchise for the longest time i poo-pooed it and then i read the books and i couldn't stop reading them. then i had to watch movies which were not as good as the books but still good nonetheless and one of my favorite characters ends up being snape you know yeah, it's, he, he sells he's it brilliant to snape. he's brilliant yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah i can't wait. Got, um go ahead did he get for that is he, he got a um, he got some so, some award for playing snape i can't uh, think yeah. what it was but he got he got some award for playing him yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, he was he was brilliant as night. We won't say what happens because we don't want to spoil it for Miles. Right, because Miles will watch us someday. Yeah, probably Miles when I watch to watch Harry Potter when you Big Bang. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it's a deal, maybe. So maybe. Uh, all right. Well, I believe we've done uh, Galaxy Quest of service here. I think we reviewed it well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys for joining us, our listeners, for joining us here as we kind of reviewed or walked through Galaxy Quest, and we. Had some diatribes here, but nonetheless, still kind of talked about this movie that pays homage to the Star Trek franchise, but really sci-fi in general, I would say, and fandom in general. So, um, but I uh, appreciate that, uh, Colin. Before we let you go, tell us a little bit what's going on in Trek news and views. Uh, well, at the moment, we're bouncing around between doing uh, time travel stories, which Miles is helping me do. Uh, we've just done the third one on that, which was last week, which is out at the moment. And just referring to the Rock Monsters thing, 
Um, I've got uh, William Shatner's um, a 10 minute clip from William Shatner's talking to Star Trek London, and it's 10 minutes about Star Trek V when he tells the rock monster story. Okay. Uh, so people want to check that out, they can do. Um, and is that out and, now? Yeah, yeah, it's, that, that episode's been out for a couple of weeks. Okay. So it, it's, it's quite funny because he gets, he gets quite worked up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so, but yeah, at the moment, me, Miles, and, and a couple of other people are working through time travel stories to do with Star Trek. So that's that's the current thing on Trek News. Yeah. So and um, and as far as where if they want to find or if listeners want to tune into Trek News and Views, where do they access that at? Um, it's on iTunes. It's on Stitcher, and you can go to Trek.fm. Click on the podcast bar, and you can find it there. Oh, very good, very good, very good. And uh, I suppose you're on Twitter and Facebook and all the other places that good social network. I'm not on Facebook. I've never oh. been on Facebook. Oh, well, okay, but Twitter you are. Yeah, Twitter, that's C-O-L-M-H-0-1 on Twitter. Very good, very good. Uh, and Miles, I guess we have some other shows we're going to be doing tonight, but oh, yeah. uh, we do appreciate everyone joining us tonight. Colin, thank you so much for hopping in and talking Galaxy Quest with us. Pleasure. Yeah. And I look forward to you doing Blade Runner because I love that film. Uh-huh. Well, well <laughs> we, aren't, we aren't sure who we're going to have on yet, so who knows? Maybe we'll tap you in the shoulder for that. Or maybe Wayne. Yeah, Henderson. yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wayne Henderson's the other guy that would absolutely love that. Okay. Yeah, because he's a huge Phil K. Dick fan. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so Sounds good. So we need Adama on. <laughs> oh. <laughs> get, get William Adama on? No, I'm just kidding. Well, we, yeah, we, we, we did interview uh, Ames Alamos, and we got him to talk a little bit about Blade Runner. Yeah, so that's so, cool. But. All right. Well, thank you so much, guys. And I believe that's it. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. Thanks a lot, guys. your existing brain cells. Oh, how about one with an English host? T.L. Grey Hot. Or a news section. Accessing library computer data. Or one that can help you navigate for the latest Star Trek news. Can anyone remember when we used to be explorers? Well, not quite. But Trek News and Views will bring you the latest news with either review or discussion from a wide variety of co-hosts. Oh my... Don't accept anything less. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Trek News and Views. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on the Trek FM website. Other similar podcasts are but to be discouraged. (laughs) 
Galaxy Quest, man. All right. I know. Uh, <laughs> Star uh, Trek in uh, all its glory. It is. It's probably my favorite Star Trek film. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. This is probably the, uh, I was going to say it was the first Star Trek film I ever watched, but that's not quite true. I did see, uh, I did see Wrath of Khan soon after it came out on VHS. And I saw uh, The Voyage Home on VHS. And then I probably saw Galaxy Quest. Wow, VHS. Let's go back a bit. Yeah, yeah. Not as not as not as bad though as watching it on the uh those big record DVDs they had back in the late eighties. Oh laser discs. Yeah, the laser disc, yeah, those things. But all right. Hey, are we ready to go, Miles? I'm ready to go. Oh, Miles is ready to go. Are you ready to go, Colin? Yeah, yeah. Okay, ready. so it'll be similar in um sentiment to uh, what we've done before, you were on one of these shows before. What did we review? Yeah. What did we? What did we review? Rapticon. Oh, that's right. It was Rapticon. That was an epic review. That was a great review. Yeah. Did you say that 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 link is not working? It's not working. Yeah, it's see. not working on Podbean or iTunes. Yeah, well, it's not working on Podbean because I discontinued my account with Podbean. Uh, All right. But uh, but there is a. Um, I do want to get that episode up. I just haven't done so. So I will. I will do that. I just. I know that you bugged me about it a while ago, and I just haven't done anything about it. So, <laughs> so I'm not no, doing. I'm not doing. I'm not. I just have nothing going on in my life. <laughs> what, what you What you want now? Then Lipson. Yeah, yeah, we're on. We're on Lipson now. Yeah, yeah, and I could easily. I have the space to put it up. I just haven't put it up. So I yeah. will get. I will get it up there. All right. All right, so Galaxy Quest. Is this, uh, do you know what number re, uh, Sci-Fi Rewind this is? Miles? Uh, off the top of my head. I don't Slacker. You should, know that, you should know this off the top of your head. <laughs> I know, I should be able to just pull. Uh, aren't, you the, aren't you the facts and numbers guy? I mean, Useless on. facts. Useless facts. Oh, because so oh, it's not useless. It <laughs> because, it's, because it's useful. This, this would be very helpful at this moment in time. I can't uh, retain it. Yeah, I think it's episode 21 because Starship Troopers is 20. Twenty-one. Here we are. Yeah, and uh, Miles really enjoyed Starship Traders. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm going to tell you what, after hearing what some people, uh, after hearing John's thoughts on that and um, JP Harvey's thoughts, uh, even though I won't say I love the movie, it redeems its value, I guess. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's got a lot of flaws, but it's it's got a cult following. So. Yeah, it does, and it must it must because they keep putting out movies. So. Yeah, I was it four now. Yeah, before, but I think they're, yeah, I think they're continuing. So Miles has watched yeah. most of them. Is that true? Um, or did you only watch the first one? I've seen. I, I start. I watched the second one. It was unwatchable, so I stopped. The third, <laughs> the third one. The third, the third one was actually n- not half bad. Um, that was the one with Charlie Blaylock. Yeah, and I, I, it, the one of the best things this movie has it has a great propaganda song in there. As far as um, um, oh yeah, that's right. We put it, that in. It's a good, it's show. a good day to die, uh, Colin. If you haven't heard it, you look it up on no, YouTube. I've seen I've seen number three. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> then you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I've seen all of them. So <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> we should have had you on the show, now. But you know what? <laughs> I, I don't. I, you know what? I, I will. I'm. I will say. I'm glad we reviewed it because there. There is. There, there is some 
there there is messages in it. It's just it's just so ridiculous and over the top. It's something maybe a first. Well, when I watched it first viewing, I might not have got yeah. it as as well as if if you watch it with a little more discerning eye, you could you could get the um, the message behind the movie. You know, you're glad we watched it because that way we will never review it again. <laughs> it's hard to watch. <laughs> well, that, that's really that's really it. There's no need to. Well, you can always do two and three. Right. Well, yeah. There you go, Mark. Uh, no, I put my foot down. No. <laughs> the, the only reason I'll, uh, I'll watch number one is because I seen an interview with Jeremy Ironside. Oh, and, yes. Uh, he says that he was um, Michael Ironside, sorry. And he said that when he read the script and he said, how do you want me to play it? And I said, as over the top as you possibly can. <laughs> and he did. He and did. he did, yeah. <laughs> All right, you ready to go? Yeah, let's let's, let's go. Let's review this.